Welcome, everyone. My name is Peter Hackett. I am the Global Program Director for Cypher. In today's podcast, we are going to discuss the process of assessing an organization for PCI compliance and how to enable teams to be prepared for assessments, both for merchants and service providers. With me today is my colleague, Scott Krosky, the Global Chief Information Security Officer for Cypher. And we are also pleased to have with us one of our principal security consultants for North America, Juan Minera. Juan comes to us today from Miami, Florida. Juan, how are you today? I'm doing great, Pete. Um, I hope you guys are doing great as well. Thanks, Juan. We are. And uh, we're so happy to have you on this podcast. So before we get, begin, I want to highlight our, to our listeners that Cypher is pleased to have published over 25 podcast episodes since we first started this effort on March 29th. And this totals over nine hours of educational information surrounding various cybersecurity topics. And we look forward to continue to climb the charts in not only North America, EMEA, Brazil, but the rest of the world. Okay, so let's set the stage for today's conversation. If you have been in or associated with the world of retail or commerce, you've probably heard the PCI uh, term, which stands for payment card industry. PCI DSS is the payment card industry's data security standards. Scott, can you give us an overview of PCI DSS? Sure thing, Pete. Uh, so the PCI standards were created to increase security controls around cardholder data to really reduce you know, credit card fraud. A validation of compliance is typically performed either annually or quarterly, uh, depending on various factors, which one's going to dive into here today. Uh, so, you know, essentially there are several types of compliance activities that must be required of merchants and or service providers. Um, so the one type is a self-assessment questionnaire or SAQ. Um, the second type is an external assessment uh, from a qualified security assessor or QSA. Uh, and finally, a uh, firm-specific internal security assessment or an ISA. So since 2004, there have been various versions of the PCI DSS standard. Uh, and currently, we're operating off of version 3.2.1, uh, which was published in May of 2018. Thanks, Scott. So one, as one of our principal security consultants for North America, can you discuss some of your roles and responsibilities? Absolutely. So um, my main role at, at Cypher is... Uh, obviously principal security consultant and uh, lead QSA. Uh, I'm involved in engaging the clients. I'm overseeing uh, every aspect of assessments. I manage the project timelines. Uh, I communicate directly with the C-level executives on, on the business side as well. Um, and um, besides uh, overseeing the project and making sure we're, we're meeting the, the timelines and everything, I also uh, uh, participate with the, the other QSAs in doing the actual assessment. Great, thanks Juan. So today we would like to dive into specifics around the PCI standards as they apply to various businesses in the retail and e-commerce sector. And I know it actually goes beyond these industries since any company that processes or stores credit card information is subject to PCI DSS. But in reality, the retail and e-commerce industries are the most impacted. One, Cypher is a qualified security assessor company for many parts of the globe. So can you go into what that means and what type of businesses would need a QSA? Right, so uh, QSA companies such as Cipher are basically are basically independent security organizations that have that have been qualified by the PCI Security Standards Council uh, to validate a company's adherence to the PCI Data Security Standards. Um, similarly, QSAs are individuals who work for the QSA company or QSAC, and basically they have satisfied all assessor requirements and continue to recertify it on a yearly basis. It's not like a like your typical in, uh, industry certification where, where you carry it anywhere you go. For example, if, if uh, I or other QSAs were, 
were to leave the, their QSA company, um, the relationship that they hold with the PCI council will no longer be valid. Uh, therefore, they would not be able to, to do assessments, right? You have to work as a QSA, you have to work under a QSA company. All in all, both the QSA company and the QSA individual assessor have responsibilities tied directly to the PCI Security Standards Council and must adhere to a strict level of compliance in carrying out assessments. For the second part of the question that you asked, companies of all types could use services of a QSA. Uh, for the most part, companies are generally, they generally will hear from the acquiring banks. So it's kind of like uh, the bank will tell them, you need to do X, Y, and Z or it would come from the, uh, for larger organizations, it would come from the payment card brands. We're talking about Visa, MasterCard, Amex, Discover, and JCB. Um, and they basically require merchants and service providers to have a, a QSA to perform an assessment based on different characteristics of the company. Uh, when a full assessment is, is not required, the company is basically what they need to do is fill out an SAQ, as uh, Scott was mentioning. SAQ is a self-assessment questionnaire. It's something that does not need any involvement from anybody. It's just you attesting to your compliance with PCI. Even in that case, a company can reach out to a QSA company and say, hey, can you please validate my, my self-assessment questionnaire to make sure it's fully filled out correctly, uh, make sure that I'm compliant. So some companies actually do that um, because, you know, obviously you want to you wanna be compliant. Uh, even if, if they haven't required you to do so, you're going above and beyond making sure you're protecting your customer's data and protecting the brand that you have invested so so much in. So one, I've heard that under PCI, some companies must perform vulnerability assessment scans of their networks that contain point of sale systems. And the frequency of the scans seem to vary. So I'm sure some of our listeners have also heard this variation. Can you explain why is that? And go into detail as to the requirements in this regard? Right, there are several scans that, that must be ran under PCI DSS. There, there are internal scans. Generally, the scans, must be run on a quarterly basis. These scans can be ran by, they don't have to be ran by a specific authority or, or anybody related to PCI. They can be ran by your, your IT guy, somebody that's savvy enough to, to understand what vulnerability scanning is. And um, so it's basically quarterly. And the only other time that that changes is when there is a significant change in the environment, such as when you make a topology change, you add new networks, you add a new firewall, or any, any type of uh, upgrade to, let's say, a payment application, then you would have to rerun the scan as soon as you make the change. Um, then you have the external scans, and these are obviously all of the public-facing IPs for the organization. The scans, these scans must be run by, a, by an ASV. An ASV is basically, what it stands for is a um, approved scanning vendor. It's the same, kind of the same thing as a QSA company, but they have met another program from the PCI Council, right? They have met the approved scanning vendor program, which allows them to, to scan uh, in accordance to strict PCI requirements. Cypher is both a QSA company as well as an ASV authorized scanning, scanning vendor. Juan, Cypher is one such authorized scanning vendor or ASV, as you said. So how many ASVs are out there and what should a company look for when they search for an ASV? So currently there are about there are about 94 approved scanning vendors. This is a lot of, these are a lot of vendors, right? So a company needs to carefully choose a good ASV, right? So a company, the best thing the company could do is do their due diligence and, and they wanna choose an ASV who can offer scanning according to their operations. So there are global, there are companies that scan on a global scale. 
Um, so if you're like a multinational organization uh, with operations in many regions of the globe and, or plan to enter markets in, the, in, you know, in different regions of the world, then, then you would, I would definitely recommend to go with a global, global scanning company because some companies only will scan in Europe or only in North America, et cetera. Another, another factor is uh, some ASV companies will only give you a, a simple executive report that says you passed or you failed. Um, I think that those are okay, but you may want to get more value from it. So, so I think that, that uh, it's good to choose an ASV who goes beyond that and, and produces rich reports and detailed analysis of, of the vulnerabilities. So Juan, what are the best ways an organization can invest time and effort to quickly achieve PCI DSS compliance? Okay, so I'm, I'm really glad that you asked this question because it's very important. It's my number one recommendation to, to any organization that's trying to, to meet PCA uh, DSS compliance, and it is to perform a scoping exercise, right? This is the main thing you want to do. This will greatly reduce the amount of time, resources, and money spent on becoming PCI compliant. During the scoping exercise, what you'll do is you'll determine what systems touch credit card data with the end result to only assess those systems that, that, that touch that data, right? You don't want to assess everything else. This is, you know, opposed to, as opposed to assessing an entire organization, all of its networks, all of its infrastructure, and all of the employees. It doesn't make sense. You're gonna, you know, spend significant amount of resources on that. So that would be very costly. What you need to do is reduce the scope, very little systems as possible so that you're only applying the PCI controls to that small environment and keep everything else segmented. Thanks, Juan. And what are some of the most common issues you encounter when doing PCI assessments and how can they be prevented? Okay, so a lot of the issues that I face uh, when doing assessments is um, periodic, periodic activities that the PCI standard requires. Uh, for example, things that you have to do on a weekly basis, on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis, et cetera, et cetera. That they're that they're missed, right? So what I recommend is, and and what organizations should do is incorporate PCI periodic activities into their standard operating processes. We use the term BAU, which stands for business as usual. All PCI periodic activities must be done on a business as usual basis. That's what I recommend. We we don't want, you know, the PCI, the person that's responsible for the PCI program to be so be looking at, you know, going back and looking at the PCI documentation and saying to their staff, you know, hey, we forgot to revise documents, we forgot to scan or perform pen tests. Um, all that can be avoided by incorporating, you know, incorporating all the activities into, into a business as usual process so that everybody's on board and it just kind of flows. Yeah, that's actually really good advice. Um, so, you know, one, as you know, PCI recognizes and applies different standards to merchants and service providers. However, some companies may not know if they are a merchant and if they are a service provider. So, I mean, generally speaking, merchants have a merchant agreement uh, with an acquiring bank, and they need to be able to accept credit card payments for their business. So that's, you know, pretty straightforward. However, um, service providers don't always know that they are service providers and therefore are not aware of their responsibilities. Can you discuss... Uh, the differences between a merchant and a service provider? Sure. So the main difference between a merchant and a service provider is that, that a merchant is involved in, with the end customer, right? So that's, that's, where the, that's where they receive payments, right? And this can be via retail, e-commerce, 
these are basically the ones that they're receiving payment through card present transactions, right? Merchants that can be, you know, any retail store or anything like that are uh, through their point of sale systems or via card not present transactions via the telephone or, or through e-commerce for the e-commerce website. Um, service, service providers fall into many different categories. Uh, service provider is an entity that stores, processes, transmits, or could affect the security of a merchant. And so this includes payment processors, right? A payment processor is in fact a, um, a service provider. It provides the payment processing uh, service to, to a merchant. Uh, data center is a data center is also considered a, a service provider because they're providing physical security and network compute and different types of resources like that. So sometimes a, a service provider doesn't really know that they must be PCI compliant. Generally, generally what happens is that the entity who is to be PCI compliant, for example, a merchant or retailer, they must and it is, it is uh, required on, on uh, requirement 12.8 to maintain a contract with the service provider and, and make them aware that, that their operations can affect their PCI, their PCI program. For example, some requirements um, talk about physical security. In this case, if you have a data center, you have all your systems in the data center, you need the data center to comply with those specific requirements they can mark the rest as not applicable. As long as they comply with those, then that's fine. Usually what the companies do is just keep their self-assessment questionnaire as a service provider, um, as evidence that the service provider is, is uh, meeting those requirements. Another, another thing is that a service provider can, can just say, why do this on a customer by customer basis? Let's just go ahead and become PCI compliant. So in that case, the service provider will just whatever service they provide, they'll just make sure that's PCI compliant, even though they're not involved in storing, processing, or transmitting credit card data. Even if they affect the, the security or can possibly affect the security of the, of the customer's cardholder data environment, um, then they are within the PCI scope. So are there cases where a business can be both a merchant and a service provider? And if so, can you describe how that's possible and what additional risks that they must address? Absolutely. So, so a merchant can be a service provider or service providers can be merchants as well. For example, acquiring banks, their, their customers are the actual merchants, right? So the merchants um, use their services, uh, for example, point of sale, uh, payment processing, uh, settlement, everything like that. In order for, for the merchants to pay the acquirer for those services, they must have an e-commerce channel, right? So, so in, in that aspect, you have a service provider providing merchant services, but they must receive payments through uh, e-commerce portal. So that makes that gives them a different channel or a different um, a different type of entity, right? So they are both a merchant by receiving payments from their customers through an e-commerce channel through the phone, and they're a service provider because they're providing services to the merchants. Similarly, with like data center example, um, so data centers must receive payment payment through credit card, they receive it through, through that channel as well, while per performing these services for their customers. Gotcha. Um, okay, so a little earlier in the presentation, we chatted a little bit about the different types of compliance. Can you go into a little bit more bit detail about the different types of service provider levels and how these levels affect PCI compliance? Absolutely. So you have, um, you have different levels, like you mentioned. So you have a level one provider, 
And level one providers are, are pretty much providers that, that Visa, and Visa is pretty much the main player in, in uh, PCI compliance. Every different payment brand has their own different classifications, but for the most part, everybody kind of copies uh, Visa. A service, a level one service provider is uh, any service provider that stores, processes, and or transmits over 300,000 transactions annually. And these level one providers are required to have a full assessment. So they need to fill out a report on compliance. They need to have a qualified security assessor on site or uh, perform it remotely. We have a level two, level two service provider. This is for any entity, any service provider that, that uh, processes, that processes or transmits less than 300,000 transactions annually. Um, from here on, from level two and down, they're just responsible for, for filling out a self-assessment questionnaire. All right, thanks for that overview, uh, Juan. So as a PCI auditor, what do you recommend companies do based on their level of PCI compliance? Right, so, so entities may not even know their, their uh, level of compliance. So what I recommend is, is for them to get in contact and have a good relationship with their, with their acquiring bank. The requiring, acquiring bank actually has people ready to answer a lot of the questions that, that they may have. A lot of, and I've seen many, many entities that are kind of timid or, I don't know, maybe, yeah, timid is a word to, to speak or maybe they're scared to speak to the acquiring bank or they don't know that they, they have these resources available to them. So the acquiring bank is basically the one that gives you, the entity that gives the merchant uh, or the service provider, the requirements. So all you need to do is just find out who your, who your acquiring bank is, speak to them, and they will gladly help in, in clearing up any confusion, whether it is, you know, what self-assessment questionnaire you need to, you need to uh, fill out, uh, what level, what level of service provider or what level of merchant you are. They have all of that information, right? So if, you, if you're over like a million transactions, you're definitely a level one merchant. Therefore, you have to follow different things. So the acquirer is the best entity to speak with to clear any of that up. So that's, that's, that's basically my recommendation. A lot, of, a lot of people are kind of lost in that sense, but speaking to your acquiring bank is, is, and having a good relationship with them is, is uh, very, very useful. So when we were chatting a little earlier, you let me know that you recently became an adjunct professor for the University of Miami. But what led you to enter the education field in this regard? Yeah, so ever since I started in IT, I noticed that that I've enjoyed helping helping my classmates. It could be like you know just helping them with with things that they don't understand, or even helping even helping friends that that need to get a, a position or anything like that. Just forwarding along their their resume. I noticed that that I did pretty well in that I was able to to translate my knowledge and transfer it to, to, to people effectively. And that kind of helped me learn more. So I, I like that, not only for that, but because it's, it, was, it was pretty fulfilling to, to help people to help people up, right? Uh, eventually, eventually I, I came across a, an opportunity which allowed me to be uh, an adjunct professor at the University of Miami. And I, and I said, you know, let's, let's do it. So I'm involved in that right now. And um, I've already started with three assignments, and I'm just waiting to, to help people attain their certifications in cybersecurity. It's a full cybersecurity program, and I'm just very excited about it. It's, it's a very fulfilling thing. Yeah, absolutely, Juan. I, um, just, you know, the, the, the 
the thought of just giving back to the community, you know, certainly uh, has you stand out amongst, uh, you know, amongst your peers. And, you know, I'll tell you, it's been since I joined the company in August, it's been such a pleasure to work with you and, and even the rest of the Cypher team because of the way that, you know, everyone's so passionate about, uh, about you know, security and, and wanting to give back. So, you know, thank you for that and, and best of luck on your continued success there. And so before I pass it back on over to Pete, did you have any other final thoughts you want to share with our listeners today? Um, sure. So, so I just want to say that PCI is not like as an organization or as an IT manager, IT director or CIO or anything like that. Um, PCI is not uh, something that's unmanageable. It's, you know, you shouldn't be scared of it. It's just a, it's just a process that you have to follow. Um, and as a subject matter expert in all aspects of IT, I think we're in a good position. Cypher is in a good position to, to, to offer to offer services to, to anybody looking to become becoming PCI compliant, right? So I have, my background is in IT. I'm, I'm mostly technical. So I come from an IT background. I did systems engineering, network security engineering. Uh, now with consulting, it kind of puts it all together, see the whole picture. And I think that's very valuable for, for customers. Um, so Cypher can provide a very valuable experience in regards to PCI. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> um, well, thanks, Juan. Yeah, thanks, Juan. I'll pass it back over to Pete here. Scott and Juan, thank you for your time. This has been very informative, and I look forward to our next podcast. For any of our listeners who are interested in our services, to include GRC services and or PCI assessment or compliance consulting services, please reach out to us via our marketing department, which can be reached at marketing at